0: Good evening, my friends. I hope it is midnight wherever you are. Let's imagine that it's the witching hour. Why don't you turn out all the lights? My name is Josh Hitchens, and I am your host tonight. Welcome to Going Dark Theatre. This is a podcast about finding the humanity behind the horror, and this midnight I will tell you The Tale of the Waxwork Woman, Part 2. Maria Elena Milagro de Ollos Mesa died of tuberculosis on October 25, 1931, just a few days before Halloween. She was only 22 years old. Carl Tonsler's obsession for Elena did not end with her tragic death. In fact, It was only the beginning of a chain of events that would eventually shock the world. I continue quoting from Karl Tonsler's autobiography as we move forward with our tale, but remember, he is an unreliable narrator. It was only natural that I went daily to the cemetery. What disturbed me there was the fact that, owing to the nature of the ground, hers was a shallow grave, and by no means safe from water. Karl Tanzler sat by Elena's grave every night, but that was not enough for him. He writes, Considering how often I have mentioned the strenuous relations between myself and Elena's family, readers will find it hard to understand why every night I went to her house. It was the memory, of course, which drew me there. The atmosphere of Elena lingering on. The De Oyos family told Carl Tanzler that they were planning on moving for a second time, just as they had suddenly moved the first time in Key West to try and get away from his stalking of their now-dead daughter. Tonsler says that he said to Elena's mother, No matter whether you move or stay on, I am going to live in my Elena's room where she has lived and died because I distinctly feel at home in her presence. Incredibly, the De Oyos family accepted Karl Tonsler's offer for him to rent Elena's room and live there, sleeping in the same bed where she had recently died. Perhaps it is not so incredible. The De Oyos family was poor, and Tonsler was willing to offer them money but it cannot have been easy for them to have this creepy, obsessive man in their home. But Karl Tonsler was overjoyed. He said, from then on, I slept in Elena's bed. It still preserved the sweet scent of her hair. Tonsler received permission from Elena's mother and father to build an ornate tomb which would safely house her corpse. He paid for the construction of the tomb which resembled a little house. It took three months to build, and then it was time to exhume Elena's body. Karl Tonsler picks up his narrative. And this is where this tale starts getting hard to listen to, my friends. The first heavy rains drenched the cemetery, and I became very much concerned over my Elena, especially since I suspected odor developing from the shallow grave disinterment revealed that Rains had indeed soaked the coffin. It was with dire anticipation that I now approached the urgent task of taking Elena out of the damaged coffin and placing her into the new and stronger casket I had bought. Toward this purpose, The mortician and I arranged it so there were no other dead in the morgue at the date for the re-bedding of her body. In preparation, I had bought all that could possibly be needed. New sheets, pillow, sterile cotton, gauze, chemicals, and sprays. The opening of the coffin lid gave me considerable trouble because its lining inside had become attached to Elena's face and body. As the first step, I sprayed diluted formalin all over the shrouded body in ample quantities. This was for disinfection and also to Harden the body tissues before I undertook to detach from the skin the drapery that had become glued to it. Decay had set in in a most disheartening manner. Only with the greatest care was I able to peel the pieces of textile from the body. This took hours. I now proceeded to sponge her face with a specially prepared solution and also her hands and feet. Much more cleaning was required than could be done in the one night I had the morgue at my disposal. Till dawn I worked with every energy. When morning came, My sweet bride was free from all outward signs of decay, and from that of odor when the mortician came to work. We placed her on thick layers of cotton, and after I sprayed her form all over with eau de cologne, we lifted her into her new coffin. When the mortician came to work, Carl Tonsler says. Which means that Carl Tonsler spent all night in the morgue with Elena's corpse, alone and unsupervised. He was to spend a second night alone in the morgue with her body. What was he doing to her? The body of Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos Mesa, three months dead now, was placed in the little house, the mausoleum Carl Tanzler had built for her. The marble headstone embedded in the wall by the door read, Elena Milagro Hoyos, born July 31, 1909, died October 25, 1931, R.I.P. C.T. de Kossel. There are two interesting things about this inscription, which, of course, was written by Carl Tonsler. The first is that it omits Elena's married name, Mesa, as if erasing her marriage to Luis Mesa from history. The final words are also interesting. Remember that in Key West, Karl Tonsler went by the name Count Carl von Kossel. So, C T D Kossel translates to Countess Damsel Kossel, as if Elena had actually been his wife in reality, instead of only in his twisted fantasy. For the next year and a half, Carl Tonsler would enter Elena's tomb nightly and sit by her coffin regarding these visits as a rendezvous or a date. Sometimes he slept there all night, leaving when the sun came up in the morning, locking the mausoleum door behind him and returning to Elena's old bedroom in the De Oios house. He had the only key to Elena's tomb. No one else was allowed inside, not even her family, only him. Then, one night, Carl Tonsler experienced a strange occurrence inside of Elena's tomb, reminiscent of a passage from Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. It had been a sultry day, and I had left the door wide open, so that the refreshing coolness of the night could enter. The moist heat, however, was still in the room, and this was probably the reason I fell asleep. Suddenly, I was aroused by a loud, crashing report, as if a cannon had been fired close to my ear. I noticed by the reflection of the street lights outside that fifty locks which held her metal casket had sprung open I examined them closely and it was perfectly clear that they had been sprung with great force and all at once and that this must have been the loud report which had aroused me now I could clearly hear a tapping Or crackling sound inside, very distant, like nails of delicate fingers probing and scratching a metal surface. I bent my ear to the inner coffin and listened intently. There was no sound, and I removed its lid altogether. A strange and pleasant perfume emanated and spread all over the room. There was no pressure of gas inside. There was only this mysterious smell, which resembled hamine, fragrant chemical in human blood, and not any manufactured perfume. It was exactly like the healthy and agreeable odor of a young woman's skin on a warm day. It simply was the typical odor which I loved so much of my bride, Elena, and of her hair. This, of course is impossible. After over a year and a half dead, the body of Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos Mesa would unquestionably be emitting the strong odor of human decomposition. Karl Tanzler's obsessive delusion was strong, and soon... It would cross over into the realm of insanity. His narrative continues. After a while, I placed my ear against the open valve, and after a minute or so, I heard her voice. Very distinctly, in soft tones, it sounded so very much alive. I knew that death was not the end of life, and that resurrection from the grave is actually a possibility. From now on, Elena's spirit inhabited the tomb, speaking to him. Sometimes, Tonsler said he felt her hands touching his face. Sometimes, he even saw her apparition, veiled in white like a bride, beckoning to him as he approached the door to the tomb. Inside the tomb, the pleasing smell was particularly strong, as I always did. I held my hands over the valve into this beloved odor of my beautiful bride, Elena. It was remarkable. How long this odor clung to my hands. Even washing would not remove it. For privacy's sake, Carl Tonsler began visiting Elena's tomb after midnight. One wonders now what Elena's family thought then as Karl Tonsler returned to their house before dawn, stinking of the dead. Ever since the moon began to wane, Elena had begun to sing in her casket with a very soft, clear voice, which became a little stronger night by night. It was always the same Spanish song about a lover who opens the grave of his dead bride. I could distinctly hear and understand every word. This song was La Boda Negra, The Black Wedding, which includes the lyrics On a night when thunder roared and lightning flashed, he broke apart the tombstone of her grave. With his hands he dug into the earth, and in his arms he carried her away. According to Karl Tanzler's autobiography, Elena's spirit began to speak to him about freeing her from her coffin. At first, Tonsler writes that he explained the dangers to Elena. You see, my beloved, this cemetery is surrounded by streets and houses. It has several gates, But they are all in full view of the houses and automobiles are passing back and forth past the cemetery at all hours. People are curious. They are quite used to seeing coffins go into the cemetery. But they have never seen the dead come out again. If they see us, people might raise hell. What are we going to do about this, my darling? And then Elena supposedly replied to Carl Tonsler. Go out in front of the tomb, Carlos, and I will show you how this can be done. You do it this way. When the moon changes, you bring along a very large blanket. You hang that blanket over the rail of the fence. Then nobody can see you from the houses or from the street, Carlos. The woman, the neighbor to my grave, she is my friend. She will be glad to help you. Carl Tonsler writes in response. Unmistakably, Elena's spirit now used the full extent of its power over my nervous system. She directed my every step. I merely acted like a radio receiver to the waves which came from her. In other words, it's not my fault I stole her corpse from the grave, Your Honor. Her ghost told me to do it and how to do it. It wasn't my fault. It was her fault. Carl Tonsler describes the night he removed Maria Elena Malagro de Ollos Mesa from her grave two years after her death. I was prepared to risk my life and to face any danger which might cross my path this night. There was no halfway. This was clear to me. Once it was started, it had to be carried out to the finish. This was my resolve. And she would have to come out. If ever I was to take proper care of her. At last, the new moon had come. Leaving the door to the tomb wide open, I went down inside and spoke a few words into the coffin valve. Darling, I have come to fulfill my promise to you. Sleep now, darling, for a while, until you are with me. Ben Harrison writes of this moment in his definitive book about these events, Undying Love, He then loaded his darling bride onto the wagon he had purchased and placed rubber cushions on either end. The blanket with the crucifix on top was tied around the casket with a rope. Satisfied there was no one watching, he pulled the wagon from within the mausoleum. Their remarkable journey had begun. We continue our tale of this night from Karl Tonsler's perspective. There was no place for the living here. On this blackest of nights, all of the cemetery was alive with souls which came out of their graves on all sides. It was like a great, divine wedding march for me. The little cart, for all its weight, seemed almost to run by itself. It responded to the slightest touch of my hand. But then, as Tonsler was lifting the coffin over the cemetery fence, he slipped in the mud, and the coffin fell on him. His clothes were rapidly soaked with foul liquid that oozed out of Elena's coffin. Neighborhood dogs began to bark, picking up the smell. Rapidly, Carl Tonsler made his way to the deserted hospital, placing Elena's coffin inside the cabin of the airplane that he was building for her. He had no water in the airplane to wash himself and his clothes, ripe with the stink of human decay. But he did have a bottle of whiskey, so he used the whiskey to drench himself and his clothes, returning to the de house just before dawn, smelling of alcohol instead of their daughter's rotting flesh. The next night, Carl Tansler returned to his airplane behind the hospital morgue, and he finally opened Elena's coffin. He describes what he found. I can hardly describe the picture which unfolded before my eyes. It was a horrible and saddening sight to look inside the coffin after 18 months in the grave. It was disheartening. My poor darling, how you have been neglected. Of course you could not help yourself, and no one came to your aid. In your plight, your beautiful eyes broke and sank without anyone coming to bring you help. Your beautiful dress, it has decayed and now mars your beauty. My very soul was tortured when I saw her awful condition. I resolved that I would help her out of this awful mess at once. She was my beloved bride. My promise to take care of her was a sacred one. With the greatest of care... I now detached the uppermost layers of clothing which were overgrown and eaten up with slimy molds. I then got a large bucket and deposited rags into it until it was filled, carefully peeling of all places around the head, face, and chest first. I found many pieces of fabric had become glued to her skin. All those which did not come off easily, I left on her body for the time being, as it might injure her delicate skin, which I wanted to keep intact. The bucket was heaping full and heavy, It had to be removed quickly as the odor was overpowering. Then I prepared some soap solution and wetted all places and surfaces where rags were adhering to her body. Little by little, the pieces loosened and came off. But not all of them that first night. Again and again, I washed her body, tilting it carefully, first on one side, then on the other, so as to wash her back and remove the rags from underneath. The bucket filled up once more and had to be taken out. I rinsed her body and also the coffin thoroughly to disinfect and remove the last traces of odor. After that, I dried her entire body, drained the coffin of its juices, and sponged it thoroughly. I looked into the deep, fallen cavities of her eyes like deep empty black holes I saw her dried up lips slightly parted with her white teeth gleaming between them and when looking so long And so deep into those black openings where once her beautiful eyes shone so bright, it was strange indeed. It seemed as if a pair of pupils were forming again deep inside and were looking at me as if from the bottom of a well, straight and seriously. My angel was pure, despite the mud and slimy rags in which she had been lying for so many months. And then I heard a soft voice, hers, speak in my ear. Now, you will love me no more, will you? These words cut into my heart like an arrow. They set me on fire with sacred love for her. I assured her, Darling, I love you more than ever before. If it were not so, I would not have taken you to me. Then, kissing her dry lips and breathing deeply into her lungs until her fair bosom rose, I unpacked her bridal gown. And covered her body with it I draped her with a silk veil and adorned her head and her hair with a golden crown she looks so wonderful now I could not resist the wondrous spell and trembling with a burning love I sank Gently into the coffin, and kissed her as if she were alive. Long I lay thus, holding her closely to me, the living and the dead united in love. The sweetness of this was divine. Never had I dreamt that she had preserved so sweet and intense a love for me after being in the grave for so long. Was it possible? I could hardly grasp or believe it, but here was the undeniable evidence. Life and death united together eye to eye long and silent we lay we needed no words words could not express the heavenly bliss that we were experiencing we were two kindred spirits flowing together It was soul resting within soul. It was sweet and lovely beyond human words or understanding. God bless her soul and her body. Outside, the night passed into dawn and I still held her head and body embraced. It was hard to tear myself from this wonderful, heavenly spell. At last, I raised myself and laid her on the cushions again, promising to come back to her by night. Then, covering her up, and lowering the coffin lid carefully, without locking it now, I went home. Karl Tonsler always maintained that he never had sex with the corpse of Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos Mesa. However, the words that you have just listened to are his own, and I cannot imagine a more blatant and horrific description of necrophilia. Always remember this. In reality, Maria Elena Milagro de Oos Mesa never loved Carl Tonsler at all. Next time we meet on Going Dark Theater. We will conclude this story with The Tale of the Waxwork Woman, Part 3. If you'd like to help support the creepy work I do, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Josh Hitchens, where I post the text of the Going Dark podcast episodes, chapters from my first book, and audio recordings of other horror stories. If you do wish to subscribe to my Patreon, you can do so for as little as $1 a month if the spirit moves you. I also welcome you to like Going Dark Theater on Facebook and share with your friends. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and you've been listening to Going Dark Theater where we seek to find the humanity behind the horror. Until our next midnight together, I wish you all very pleasant dreams. And now, Going Dark.